Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. I want to introduce you to a fellow by the name of Michael Dreben. 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 Whatever. Um, he has just been added to the legal team of special counsel Jack Smith. The guy who's going after Donald Trump for the uh, the documents, but also for, you know, at the Mar-a-Lago, uh, but also the uh, the election denial stuff uh, you know it's not insurrection he didn't charge him with insurrection which is why the whole colorado ruling is such garbage but um jet that jack smith added a fellow by the name of michael dreben to his legal team molly hemingway at the federalist tells us a little bit about this guy and it's important quote an interesting detail Michael Dreben somehow snuck into Jack Smith's office. He was Mueller's appellate guy, end quote. That was from Marcy Wheeler. Marcy Wheeler is a proponent of the debunked conspiracy theory that Donald Trump stole the 2016 election via Russia collusion. Fellow Russia collusion hoaxer, Rachel Maddow of MSNBC, she ran an entire segment to announce the exciting news that Michael Dreben is, quote, helming this part of the case, meaning Jack Smith's request to the Supreme Court to look at whether American presidents may be prosecuted for actions taken while they are president. Left-wing legal activist, and yes, another Russia collusion hoaxer named Joyce Vance, said that her pal, her friend, that was her word, her friend, Dreben, had framed this petition before the Supreme Court. Robert Mueller is the Mueller that they're talking about here, right? The, uh, theoretically at least, the head of the Mueller probe that treated the Russia conspiracy scam as a credible um, investigation uh, and leaked information to the propaganda press to ensure that it had maximum effect. It took 18 months, and the investigation concluded with not a single American, much less a single Trump official, being found to actually have colluded with Russia to steal the 2016 election. And by the way, Democrats still believe this. Like half of Democrats still believe that Donald Trump colluded with Russia to win the 2016 election, and that the Russians stole it for him. That was back before... Uh, claims of rigged elections were proof of your extremism, though. See, because it's different when Democrats do it. Remember the name Andrew Weisman? In addition to his ethically flawed prosecutions of Enron executives, low those many years ago, he was also at Hillary Clinton's uh, 2016 Victory Night Party. which wasn't a victory party, but the Inspector General report showed Weissman as a full participant in 
the Russia collusion hoax. After the Mueller probe, Weissman went on to raise money for Joe Biden's presidential campaign. He was also part of the team at a group called Just Security as a leftist legal group, Just Security, that unofficially wrote Jack Smith's indictment of Trump over the classified documents. So Weissman is involved in the Jack Smith prosecution, right? Tangentially, I don't know if he's directly involved anymore, but he was part of Just Security. Just Security, they were the ones that wrote up like the template, hey, go after him on these documents. And so there's your connection with Weissman too. Back to Dreben. Dreben was leading the special counsel's defense every step of the way, according to Politico, that right-wing rag. That was a 2018 article by Politico that said Dreben was leading the special counsel's defense when it put him in the top 10 of its power list. He was widely seen as being in charge of Mueller's overall legal strategy. When Mueller picked Dreben, former Chuck Schumer staffer and anti-Trump resistance hero Preet Bahara praised the pick too. That was important because even though the Mueller team knew from the very beginning that the Russia collusion theory was false. It pursued, here it is again, a, quote, novel legal strategy. Of There it is again, novel. You, you see this word popping up all the time. It's like unprecedented. How about that, right? It, pretend, like, pretend like these were Republican lawyers or officials going after Democrats. You would say unprecedented. Maybe throw in controversial every now and again, too, maybe. This novel legal strategy of trying to build an impeachment case that Trump obstructed justice when he protested the Democrat-designed and Democrat-funded Russia collusion lie. It's also worth noting that the Mueller probe, for fairly obvious reasons, never investigated how the Russia collusion theory was designed and funded by Democrats, developed with the help of Russian operatives and integrated into the federal government's unconstitutional resistance of a duly elected president. They never never looked into any of that. Covering up those facts was, in fact, the purpose of the Mueller probe. Dreben was also brought on to help Democrat Manhattan District Attorney Cy Vance and his successful effort at the Supreme Court in 2020 to get Trump's taxes and related financial records. Which again proved what exactly? Oh, that's right, nothing. Remember, they said he he didn't pay any of his taxes, and and then they came out, and it was like there's nothing there. Dreben was part of that effort. By this spring, Dreben was publicly promoting his affiliation with Just Security, same group where Weissman was working. And he called it the legal beachhead of the Trump resistance. This guy is now part of Jack Smith's team. Dreben is one of the most experienced advocates before the U.S. Supreme Court. He has argued more than 100 cases while he was in the uh, Solicitor General's office. This, quote, elite attorney is helping Democrats with their 2024 campaign strategy of lawfare. This is significant, and it showcases how much coordination between key Democrat operatives is behind this 
uh, Soviet-style attempt to imprison President Joe Biden's political opponent. I, I said it before, earlier in the show, they are guilty of that which they accuse you. They are doing the things, like, these were the people that were saying Donald Trump is going to be a tyrant, Donald Trump's authoritarian, he'll never, he'll never uh, uh, leave office, he's going to seize control of the government and all of this. And my response is still, well, then why isn't he still in power? Oh, well, he tried, and it didn't work. So, well, he's obviously not a very good tyrant, right? But meanwhile, you've got a whole apparatus that is being constructed and has been constructed to destroy the guy. And that doesn't give you any concern whatsoever because... You know, once you construct this apparatus, do you think it stops with just Donald Trump? Or do you think that they then weaponize against whoever the next person is, right? And that's, don't be so sure that that's not going to be Democrats at some point. You've got, we, we've talked about this, uh, these fissures that are uh, opening up inside the Democrat coalition. You know, don't call it a civil war, right? That only happens in the Republican Party. But these these breaks and these these points of friction, um, do you think that they may not go after some, I don't know, maybe more progressive elements in the Democrat Party? Or maybe they go after some of the more moderate elements in the Democrat Party? You don't know how these, uh, how these individuals are going to react because you don't know all of their incentives yet. So I'll keep monitoring Michael Dreeben. Oh, um, guess who we saw getting off of the choppa? Marine One the other day. It was very interesting. He was not listed on the manifest, the passenger manifest, but he was on the helicopter. All right, so Tuesday, yesterday, uh, Marine One landed on the White House lawn. That's the helicopter. And Fox News's Peter Ducey noticed somebody hop off the chopper who was not on the passenger list, the manifest. You know who it was? Yeah, it was Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden at the White House after defying the congressional subpoena. Right? Refused to go to the Capitol for the... Well, he refused to go inside the Capitol because he showed up in front of the Capitol. He did a speech for like five minutes and then he took off, right? When he was supposed to comply with the subpoena for the deposition. But he refused, so he's in contempt, or the, he, yeah, he's in contempt of Congress, right? So after his son's lawyer lies to Congress about being out of the country over Thanksgiving, and then defies a congressional subpoena in spectacular fashion on the steps of the Capitol building, uh, it seems Joe Biden has taken basically a congressional fugitive under his protective wing, right? Is he not harboring a fugitive from uh, of, of Congress? Right? This is an act of willful disregard, very much like the one which his own father said, should, without exception, Joe said this, land somebody in jail. But that's when it was about Steve Bannon. That's when it was about you know, Trump world figures. The overwhelming punishment of choice for Democrats is jail when you're held in contempt of Congress. Except now, 
except this case, this is different because Democrat. In this case, right, you've got Democrats that are helping the person be in contempt, like Swalwell, right? Uh, he of the uh, famous relationship with Fang Fang, the Chinese spy that he was stupin. Um That guy, Sw- Eric Swalwell, he arranged for the press conference in defiance of the congressional subpoena. This is this is lawlessness, right? I saw some comments uh, within the last hour up on uh, Twitter talking about how the process matters. That's what that's what all of the rules are about is to create a structure, a process for disagreements to be hashed out and solutions adopted. Right. That's the whole point. That's what politics is about, because otherwise, what else is there? If you don't have a process that is uniform for everybody, like we see uh, we're seeing with the uh, Colorado ruling where there's no there's no due process for Donald Trump, apparently. Right. The law is very clear. Congress passed a law. If you want to charge somebody with insurrection, it's a criminal charge. And Trump was never criminally charged with that. But the court, they just basically convicted him of it. And then they move on and say, yeah, now he can't be on the ballot, which is why the U.S. Supreme Court is probably going to toss it very quickly. But what other lists has Hunter Biden been left off? Right now, I'm kind of curious. Because the media saw him get off the chopper. And he wasn't listed on the passenger list. Are there other lists that he has been left off of for some reason? Was this just an oversight? And then, of course, when asked about it, uh, cringe Jean-Pierre, uh, she, uh, she said, uh, well, you know, how dare you basically for even ask, uh, asking that question because uh, they were there, uh, they, they had all uh, gone to uh, honor the memory of Bo Biden, Hunter's brother, Joe Biden's son, who passed away several years ago. Apparently, this was the anniversary of his death from brain cancer, I believe. Um, and so how dare you? You know, they were they were gathering for this very somber anniversary. Like, oh, so that explains why he was on the why he's on the chopper, but not on the manifest. He should have been on the manifest. And also, why is the president flying around with this person who is held in who's in contempt of Congress, right? Speaking of lists, ABC News reports a federal judge in New York has ordered a vast unsealing of court documents early next year that will make public the names of scores of Jeffrey Epstein's associates. The documents are part of a settled civil lawsuit alleging Epstein's one-time paramour, Ghislaine Maxwell, facilitated the sexual abuse of a woman named Virginia Geoffrey. Terms of the settlement from 2017 were not disclosed, but Maxwell is serving a 20-year prison sentence after she was convicted of sex trafficking and procuring girls for Epstein who died by suicide in 2019 in a Manhattan jail while awaiting trial on federal sex trafficking charges. And coincidentally, all of the cameras were not working at the time. Anyone 
who did not successfully fight to keep their name out of the civil case could see their name become public, including Epstein's victims, co-conspirators, and even some innocent associates. Everyone's name is apparently going going to get out, unless they've already tried to keep their name out of the civil case. Judge uh, Loretta Preska said the release set the release rather for January 1st. January 1st. All right, so speaking of the lists, uh, we uh, apparently are going to get a list of the uh, people associated with Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, it's going to be Apparently, it's going to include victims, co-conspirators, innocent associates, just like all of the names. Um, the judge in the case set the release for January 1st, so if anybody objects to their documents becoming public, they will have time to do so. Her ruling said that since some of the individuals have given media interviews, their names should not stay private, though. The documents may not make clear why a certain individual became associated with the lawsuit that was brought against Ghislaine Maxwell, but more than 150 people are expected to be identified in hundreds of files that may expose more about Epstein's sex trafficking of women and girls in New York, New Mexico, U.S. Virgin Islands, and elsewhere. Some of the names may simply have been included in depositions or email or legal documents. So just a heads up, folks, uh, just because somebody's name appears in the documents doesn't necessarily mean that they were involved in any of the nefarious or criminal activity, right? From 1994 through 2004, Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein worked together to identify girls, groom them, and then entice them to travel and transport them to Epstein's properties. The girls, some of whom were as young as 14, were then sexually abused. And one of the most amazing things about the Epstein story here is that he killed himself. Maxwell is in prison on a 20-year sentence. And we still know no other names of the people that did the abusing. How How do you convict somebody for running this escort human trafficking service? without any clients we're gonna find out I guess hopefully we'll see some of these names I'm kind of curious if uh, well I'm kind of curious to see whose names show up I'm not on any of the list no give me a break um and during the break here I was looking through uh, some breaking news California Lieutenant Governor Eleni Kunalakis Kaunalakis, um, is calling on the Secretary of State, California, to explore legal options to remove Trump from the state's ballot in 2024. As if on cue. Um, Senator Chris Coons, a close Biden ally, uh, was on CNN and uh, said that the Colorado ruling amounts to, quote, plain reading of the text of the 14th Amendment and said that it's, quote, undeniable that Trump participated in an insurrection and argues that he should be denied access to the ballot. Um, I saw, hang on, there's another one that I saw here. Ah, New York Democrats are now renewing their push to boot 
Donald Trump from the ballot, citing the Colorado ruling. So, again, feel the need to point this out yet again, that there has been no charge under the, the criminal statute for insurrection against Donald Trump that's ever been filed, uh, let alone any conviction. So what the Democrats are now arguing for is convicting people without trials. That's their position. Con- they want to convict people without holding a trial. And if that's the standard, then uh, red states need to mobilize very quickly. Be- for example, um, how about how about George Soros? Can we, can we go after him? Um, how about Hunter Biden, James Biden, Sarah Biden, Joe Biden, all of them? With, like, uh, if there's no limiting principle here, then why should, why should Republicans limit themselves? Because there is no limiting principle. When you convict somebody without a trial, there is no limiting principle. They did not get to present any kind of evidence. There were no charges filed. There was no conviction. I mentioned Soros. Um, yeah, here it is. On October 18th, this is from uh, the Gatestone Institute. Um, on October 18th, pro-terrorist insurrectionists stormed the United States Capitol after a hate rally by two anti-Israel groups, If Not Now and Jewish Voice for Peace. Both hate groups had issued statements that either justified or rationalized the Hamas atrocities against Israelis. Uh, If Not Now put out a statement after the Hamas rapes and killings and kidnappings and said, quote, we cannot and will not say today's actions by Palestinian militants are unprovoked. Every day under Israel's apartheid system is a provocation. Jewish Voice for Peace described the Hamas attacks as an incident in which Palestinian fighters from Gaza launched an unprecedented assault in response to Israeli oppression, which is the real source of all of the violence. The pro-Hamas insurrectionists rallying for a, quote, ceasefire that would allow Hamas to attack again, had come to the capital knowing that their actions were illegal, and over 400 of them had intended to be arrested. Over 300 eventually were arrested for their insurrection in the rotunda of the Capitol's Cannon House office building. Three of the extremists were taken into custody for assaulting police officers. This takeover, these, this insurrection, right? Because to use the left's language from J6, right? this insurrection, um, this is what the Moral Monday people have been doing for a decade. This, these are Momo tactics. The Moral Monday folks that took over the state capitol in North Carolina, preventing any business from occurring. And they, they took that blueprint, literally from Blueprint NC, uh, the umbrella organization that coordinated all of these left-wing groups. They got it from Wisconsin, which took over their state capital against Scott Walker at the time. Right, So every, everybody who's funding all of these organizations, insurrection, let's just run them through some courts, uh, with some, I guess, uh, some uh, some judges that can then find them guilty without a trial, right? Seize their assets. Man, you could balance a whole bunch of budgets with some Soros money, right? 
uh, an, one of a number of illegal rallies held by these groups included an attempt to take over New York's Grand Central Station on the Sabbath, and that also led to multiple arrests. Both groups have benefited heavily from Soros funding. They, uh, like, if not now, they got two grants from the Soros Open Society Foundations, totaling $400,000. Jewish Voices for Peace, they've taken in 650 k from the same organization. Um, this also reflects, though, the refusal of the IRS to enforce the tax code against the left. These leftist groups are in violation of IRS law, or, or of IRS code, I should say. They're in violation of the law. All right, do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay, so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com, veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out story from gatestoneinstitute.org by daniel greenfield defund the soros hamas insurrection is the title of it oh by the way a bunch of the uh uh these activists these uh you know totally not pro hamas just pro palestinian activists uh they defaced the lincoln memorial today uh they they spray painted red Graffiti on all of the steps and stuff, uh, dumped a whole bunch of red paint all over the place. So, winning friends and influencing people. The IRS had previously found that the tax code does not allow for funding of anti-war groups or any organization whose primary activity is the sponsoring of protest demonstrations in which demonstrators are urged to commit violations of local ordinances and breaches of public order. Okay, so when you get your 501c3 or 501c4 tax-exempt status as, you know, a, a nonprofit, you're not supposed to be encouraging people to dump red paint all over the nation's monuments. You're not supposed to be encouraging people to spread or globalize the intifada, shall we say. They don't qualify for exemption under the tax code. But guess what? It's different when Democrats do it. When these leftist organizations fund these types of uh, activities, they get to keep their status. Above and beyond the tax code, George Soros is knowingly funding riots and illegal activities by hate groups with a long history of such activities. Like in Manhattan, arrested for blocking the traffic. Uh, Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Uh, they did a flood Brooklyn for Palestine, and uh, that's a reference to the Al-Aqsa flood, which was the, uh, the name of the Hamas operation to murder over a thousand Israelis. 19 rioters were arrested after NYPD officers were assaulted at that one. Uh, at another flood Brooklyn for Palestine rally, quote-unquote, that targeted the Crown Heights community, which has the largest group of uh, 
of of Hasidic Jews, I believe, that uh, in New York, in the world, actually. Right? Then they uh, tried to hijack the Brooklyn Bridge. They vandalized police cars. Right? The support for pro-Hamas groups is not surprising. Soros has a history of defending Hamas. He said in a 2007 editorial, quote, America and Israel must open the door to Hamas. And he said that Hamas has a more moderate political wing. Oh, hang on. Uh, yeah, you definitely, definitely earned the rim shot for that. While Soros was editorializing for Hamas, there was a guy named Robert Malley, the son of an advisor to the PLO's Yasser Arafat. Robert Malley was conducting back-channel talks with Hamas as a director at George Soros' International Crisis Group. The revelation of the Hamas link forced the Obama campaign, this was, remember, during two, this was 2007, so it forced the Obama campaign to temporarily, at least, drop Robert Malley, who later then returned to be the negotiator on the Obama-Biden nuclear deal with Iran. Malley is currently under investigation by the FBI for mishandling classified information. The Hamas insurrection in the streets of our major cities has been fueled by money from major leftist donors, including Soros. The funding of organizations engaged in illegal activities is a violation of the tax code and the law. If the IRS is not going to do its job and enforce the tax code against nonprofits that are engaged in illegal activities, Congress has to move to close the loopholes and the nonprofit status of these groups that are engaged in violence and crimes and support for terrorist organizations, and taxpayers should not be funding this. Soros has spent much of his life organizing the destruction of the nation by funding a vast network of extremist groups. He's not alone. Billionaire donors and foundations have brought the country and the world to a series of crises by taking fringe organizations and causes and injecting enough money into them that they appear to be mainstream. And Congress can deal a blow, a serious blow, to the empire of extremists by reforming the tax code and closing the, quote, terror loophole. And then there is this. Real Clear Investigations by Steve Miller. Headline, How Tax-Exempt Nonprofits Skirt U.S. Law to Turn Out the Democrat Base in Elections. Right, even as Senator Shelley Whitehouse, he of the whites-only golf clubs, um, country clubs, um, even as he warns of a right-wing dark money network seeking to undermine the future of democracy and elections, progressives have far outstripped Republic, uh, Republicans in harnessing the power of allegedly nonpartisan, nonprofit organizations that push the boundaries to win elections. More than 150 progressive nonprofits spent almost $1.4 billion on political activities in 2021 and 2022 alone. According to data compiled by Restoration of America, which is a conservative political action committee, they say there are no readily available estimates of comparable conservative efforts. The, this, uh, Bradley Smith is quoted in this piece. He's a former commissioner with the FEC, the Federal Election Commission, and founder of the conservative 
Institute for Free Speech says the liberal nonprofit sector is much bigger than the conservative nonprofit in the political arena. The progressive nonprofits include faith-based groups, ethnic activist operatives, and colleges and universities, which have taken on an outsized part of the Democrat Party's election strategy. The groups work around legal restrictions on nonprofits that accept tax-deductible donations by selectively engaging in nonpartisan efforts, including voter education and participation. These are the Zuck Bucks, right? Same stuff. It's only getting worse. All right, maybe we'll do what uh, Jen Psaki advises and circle back on this tomorrow. All right, Chad Adams in for Brett Winterbull up next. I'll see you tomorrow at 11 a.m. Don't break anything while I'm gone. Thank you.